if you're out shaking the trees hard enough as an agent looking for other buyers, you're, you're going to find deals that work as, you know, full third-party management. Like, you can be totally hands-off and buy stuff and, and increase your own portfolio. And I think over the next, whatever, year, two years, three years, there's bound to be some good opportunities popping up there. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents in our industry hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Pat Hyman, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Hey, I just got done interviewing Ryan Murdoch. Ryan is the head of acquisitions at Open Door Capital. He's been working with Brandon Turner. Uh, Brandon Turner has been on our podcast before. He's one of the podcast hosts of the Bigger Pockets podcast. And the, he is going to talk about what it was like when he first became an agent, how he transitioned from being an agent to being an investor, and this, you know, some fun opportunities they're doing out in uh, the real estate world right now. Also has an update from Maui and what Maui's been like during shelter in place. So hope you guys have a great list of this one and uh, catch up now. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Hey, I am back today and we get to talk uh, something new. We're going to get to talk some real estate agent stuff, but we're also going to talk about some alternative ways to invest and maybe a way for one of you guys out there to make a bunch of money by trying to partner with some of these guys. So today I get to talk to Ryan Murdoch. Ryan is with Open Door Capital. The, you know, uh, one of it, the guys that he works with, Brandon Turner, he's been on our podcast before and the host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Uh, I got to hang out with Ryan a couple times out in Hawaii and, the, and we chat and get to hang out in social media world too as we get to catch up. So Ryan, thanks for uh, coming out here today. Hey, Aaron. Good to see you, man. Thanks for having me on. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. So everybody has been talking about shelter in place, coronavirus, all the crazy stuff. So yeah. I was in Maui hanging out with Brandon when this kind of all started. We got the news that Texas was getting placed on uh, lockdown. And so my family and I, we actually left a day early. We were supposed to be in Hawaii again last week. That got postponed. Um, but what is, what is Hawaii like right now for all the shelter in place stuff how do people feel what's it doing to the market out there is the real estate market still going you know just an update of on hawaii during lockdown yeah sure thing uh it's been a crazy couple months here as it has been everywhere from what i can see i mean everybody's feeling the squeeze right now but hawaii i think has been uh super proactive uh in trying to uh keep covid cases from spreading uh they've essentially shut down all tourism uh they've shut down all short-term uh, rentals. Anybody that uh, arrives in Hawaii, whether you're a resident or a tourist, you're you're mandated to quarantine inside your house or your hotel for 14 days. I Meaning, you, like you can't go to the supermarket, you you can't leave. You have to have food delivered to you. Uh, all the beaches were closed. Like just everything was shut down. Hotels are closed. Like everything is has just been completely shut down. So uh, you can see I'm sitting out on my front porch right here, which is like I don't know eight by twenty, and I've been confined to this yeah. uh, area for. I don't know, three months now, which uh, I guess of all places to be quarantined, I'm, I'm, I'm happy it's Maui, uh, yeah. you know, because it, it is beautiful. I can work outside and from a kind of personal standpoint, like I know this is just going to be, uh, I assume it's going to be economically devastating for, for Maui and all of Hawaii uh, as an active resident. It's, it's been 
and I hate to sugarcoat this because I'm not happy about it, but it's, it's been a, a very unique opportunity to kind of have Maui all to ourselves as, as residents. I mean, we drive around, there's, there's no traffic, there's no lines. Uh, you know, you go to the, the beaches that are open when they're open and, and there's, there's no crowds. Uh, I do a lot of scuba diving. So we're diving reefs and areas that are usually just loaded with tour boats and, and tourists. And we've got the whole place to ourselves. So, uh, uh, you know, obviously I, I'm, I'm very anxious for, for the world to get back to normal, but uh, if anything can be, can be taken from it as a positive for me personally, it's this very unique opportunity that, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've got this beautiful place, place all to ourselves. But, um, you know, I think there's going to be some long-term effects uh, just with so many people out of work and just such a, I mean, tourism is, is really the primary driver of, of, of business and, and income here. And with all that just completely shut down, I, I can't help but think that there's going to be some very long-term effects uh, through, you know, businesses that just won't reopen uh, or real estate prices that fall. I mean, a ton of, ton of short-term rental business here. And, you know, people have, have bought condos and they've bought property uh, based on solely being able to do short-term rentals with no, you know, backup plan or like they don't work as long-term rentals. There's no, there's no other plan B. They have to use them as short-term rentals and all of that has come to a grinding halt. So uh, definitely, definitely feel for those people. Yeah. You know, the short-term rental business in Maui has to be impacted a lot greater than everywhere else. Because what I've seen in Northern California is we dropped the price on our Airbnb. So our clientele changed, but a lot of people wanted something, wanted something fresh. So they're like driving up from San Francisco for the week yeah. to go stay because yeah. it's like a way to get out. Yep. That can't happen in Maui. Cause in yep. Maui, if you want a few days apart, I mean, you used to be able to hop over in a plane, but if you've got a quarantine yeah. for two weeks, I saw on the news, like a couple people were in jail. Like oh, yeah. people flew yeah. out there and they put them in jail cause they didn't quarantine. Yep. Yep, they are arresting arresting people that violate it. And even if you could get here, they've put, I don't know the exact law, but they put a moratorium on short-term rentals, period. So I think the shortest you can rent anything right now is it's either uh, 30 days or six months. I can't remember which, but there, there are no no more. Like you can't do a two or three or even a week-long stay anywhere anymore. They've, they've completely shut that down. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I think the pros and cons that you're talking about out there are similar to where they are in other places. The con right now is economic devastation right? No matter where you live, what you're doing, there's various levels of it and various industries affected. But the con of what's going on right now with shelter in place and quarantine is economic devastation to a big part of the country and a lot of yes. people. The yes. pro is less traffic, is less busy places, is people yes. finding family values again. You know, it's, it's like the, there's a pro and a con to less eating out, right? Like the, yes. the, our yes. family has really enjoyed some of what it's forced us to relook in our values and, um, but yeah, I guess enjoy those beaches while you can. And the and for you listeners out there that are into diving and Maui and fish, I tell you what, Ryan posts these crazy videos on his Instagram. He dives like every day, and some of the most amazing stuff. He's like, "Here's an octopus." You know, here's here I am diving with with five sharks today. I watch them every day. I share them with my with my kids every day. We're always we're always checking it out because you know diving in Maui is one of the fun things we get to do when we're out there. And since we can't come visit right now. Your videos that you put on there is, uh, I'm <laughs> telling you, rock stars, go check it out. Yeah, yeah. I, we have to live vicariously yeah. through Ryan. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. You know, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49, 
on there. I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you want to check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day to day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. You find that you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the six steps for seven figures book. And really, there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices so we know right now is the time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay. You get access to every course we ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. So Ryan, when you and I first met, you had just moved out to Hawaii. The, yeah. Were you still an agent at that time? Yeah. So I moved out here just over a year and a half ago. Uh, I, I'm from and, and pretty much grew up in, in Maine. Uh, I traveled around a lot, but I, most of my years were spent in Maine. And I was an agent there for uh, the better part of, of 12 years uh, doing everything from, you know, started out with just single family residential stuff and moved up to multifamily and then got to the point where I was dealing exclusively with, with investors, uh, which anybody who's an agent knows that it's a great place to be when you can finally like kind of hand select who you're going to work with and who you're not instead of just taking any business that you can. Yeah. Uh, so when I moved out to Hawaii, I figured I'd just transfer my license and continue doing that same sort of thing out here. Uh, obviously, the price points in Maui are, are significantly greater than they were in Maine, so I just saw some some great opportunity there. But uh, honestly, once I got here and really started diving into some other projects with Brandon, uh, I just really didn't have the bandwidth to go and and do what it takes to become a a good agent here. Yeah, I I didn't even get so far as to transfer over my license. We 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 started uh, working on Open Door Capital, and he was doing some some projects here on island. And, you know, next thing you knew, six months had gone by and I was working a, a ton of hours and really hadn't even given much thought to, to the real estate agent thing anymore. So uh, I think it may be, it, it would still be a good opportunity, but we've got so many better opportunities that I'm working on right now that I just don't want to lose focus on, on open door capital and, and what we're building uh, as far as that's concerned to get uh, sidetracked doing, doing any agent business here. Yeah. Well, you can always use that experience that you had as an agent to be able to transfer into all different forms of, of real estate. And that's, and that's what a lot of agents are going to be doing right now, right? So the yeah. transactions are still happening, but we're telling people that you have to work harder to make them happen. And there's also going to be some offsets, like people going, hey, so the, you know, uh, being an agent is a very transactional business. You have to do it. That's how you make money. That's how you make income. But doing some other things like investing and, and other stuff that I hope that all of you listeners get to kind of, you know, modify into or do a little bit of that also, you know, that was one thing that we had Pat Hyben on here last week talking about is 
really it was the his the agent being a great agent gave him the ability to make an incredible amount of money and succeed and help so many different people but also learning to invest along the way helped set himself up for that horizontal income so at times like this where all of a sudden transactions slow down you've got those other options out there so let's let's go back to when you were an agent so you're living out in maine the you know and you first became a real estate agent how did you how did you get into real estate what made you want to become a real estate agent uh, I was in electronics manufacturing for the better part of 10 years and traveled all around the world. And, and really that had just kind of run its course and I was looking for something new. I had a little bit of money, not much, uh, but I, this is like 2006, 2007. I just went online and was like, what do you do if you have some money? Where do you invest it? And uh, real estate kept, kept popping up and uh, that just seemed to intrigue me. I always liked just buying stuff and, and, and fixing it up and making it better. Uh, so I ended up moving back to the U.S. and bought a just complex and, and lived in one side, rented out the other, uh, made some improvements to it, tried to uh, increase the value and, and really just got a trial by fire education on, on landlording 101. Uh, the tenants I inherited were pretty bad. Uh, but what I took from that uh, was was just experience that, that you know, anything you do that, that, that doesn't go well, you, you certainly learn from. So I took uh, that duplex and, and slowly but surely kept adding to my portfolio property. So I, I had the duplex, I bought another one and then another one and then a three unit and then a four unit and uh, quickly got to the point where I knew I was, I was really married to the property management business, whether you have five or six units or, or you have a hundred, you have to be available at, at any time. You've got to have the systems in place for when something explodes in the middle of the night. Like you have to have all that stuff. So I figured, well, if I've got systems and, and I'm married to my own properties, I might as well start uh, managing for other people. So I grew the property management uh, business uh, over the uh, period of about 12 to 18 months. I grew that to about 200 units that I was managing. Uh, and I was still actively uh, looking for my own real estate. And what I was having trouble with is a lot of the stuff at that time, uh, you know, 2008, 2009, there were a lot of foreclosures on the market, $30,000, $40,000 foreclosures that were great deals. And if you didn't get in and look at them and submit an offer, sometimes within a matter of hours, they were gone. But the downside was is that as an agent, uh, and, and I certainly saw this once I became an agent, is there aren't a lot of agents that are super motivated to get off the couch on a Saturday afternoon and race down and show somebody a $30,000 foreclosure because even if it closes, there's really, there's, there was no money in it for the agent. So I said, well, I'll just get my real estate license on my own so that I can do my own showings and I can stop climbing in through windows. I can actually like <laughs> use the lockbox and go in and write my own offers so I don't have to bother any other agents and I get my, my offers submitted. And, and, and that's what I did uh, with really no ambition of, of helping anybody else. I just wanted to do my, my own deals and uh, uh, found out that, that pretty quickly I liked being an agent and more and more quickly realized I hated my day job. So I was able to, to uh, just go in and I was spending a lot of time at the real estate office um, and you know, as, as an agent starting out, like you don't just flip a switch and, and you're in business as an agent, you've got to build out your network. You've got to build out your clients. You've, you've got to establish yourself and make a name for yourself. And, I, and I, was, I was having a little bit of trouble bridging that gap with the day job and then trying to be an agent. And the, the woman that, that was running the agency that I was working for at the time, uh, had a need for a, uh, like an admin assistant, uh, like really a, a, a bookkeeper, uh, because hers had just mm -hmm. quit. And I said, well, this She's like, whatever you do, she's like, don't, don't quit your day job. She says like, you know, make sure you build out your, your, your clientele and, and you have something established before you, before you quit your day job. And the next day I came in, I'm like, well, I quit my day job. I got to make this happen. So, yeah. uh, so, so I was still being an agent, but then I was able to, she, she hired me quote unquote to be the, uh, 
the admin assistant for her. So it, 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 I had really no aspirations to be an admin assistant, but it was a reason to, to get somewhat of a, a steady paycheck, although it was very small. And, and more importantly, it kept me in the real estate office all day so that I, you know, I was still able to do showings and be there and be around people. And it just was able to, to accelerate my growth as an agent because I was, I was still like physically located at the office and, and surrounding myself with, with those people. So, um, that's really interesting. So you really became an agent at the beginning, almost I mean, one, because you didn't have an agent that you wanted to use or you yeah. kind of felt bad asking them to use so much yeah. stuff. So yep. the, that would have been a good opportunity for an agent at the time if they were the hustler that said, yeah, I'll go get into those houses for you. I'll work really hard. I'll work really fast. And so yep. it became a, you didn't know you were going to build that out and then yep. working your way in. So, um, you know, how many transactions did you end up getting to do as an agent? I think early on I was doing 30 to 40 a year and they were they're pretty low dollar transactions because what had happened is I became that hustler agent for other people and you know because I was hungry and needed to make it work and you know needed to pay my mortgage and, and keep the lights on I was the guy jumping off the couch at you know four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon to race out and show a, an interested buyer that that thirty thousand dollar foreclosure just to get the experience and I wanted yeah. to be the go-to guy so uh, for the better part of five years, man, I, I, I hustled uh, for a lot of times for, for very little or no money, but uh, I, I was able to build a reputation. And, and as time went on, as I mentioned, I was able to get more and more selective with, with my kids and, and was going to work with and, and who I wasn't. So what advice, it's I mean, two different questions. So what advice would you give a new agent um, knowing everything that you know now and yeah. then uh, knowing who you were back then, what advice would you give yourself? the for how for now that you know everything what 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 would you have done different it, it, maybe it's the same answer or maybe it's two different answers yeah i think there's kind of a misconception with people who want to become an agent who think that oh i can just be an agent and you know pick my own schedule and work my own hours and you know it's it's you know it's it's going to be it's going to be easy and that at least for me wasn't the case because i had bills to pay so i think you know, if you are financially stable already and you don't really need the money and you don't need to work that hard, then you probably can take a slightly more passive approach. Now with that, you're not going to, you're not going to build your clientele as fast. I mean, my clientele, at least they knew if they called me, I was going to pick up the phone. And if I didn't pick up the phone, they knew I was going to call them back it is within usually 30 minutes or less. As soon as I was done doing exactly what I was doing, I would call them back. Uh, so people came to, to, to trust me. So I was kind of the, the go-to guy, but to do that meant like answering the phone at all hours of the night, keeping your weekends free because you had to go show houses and, and show property. So uh, I think if anybody sets out thinking that they're going to make a go of this and, it, and it's going to be their primary source of income and it's what they're going to do, they need to be prepared to make the, the commitment uh, with the time and the energy to accommodate to everybody's schedule in order to, to build your clientele and get your business off the ground. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I hate to interrupt the current podcast that you're listening to, but I am so excited to share this with you. I just finished interviewing the original host of this podcast, my good friend, Pat Hyben. You know, I got to talk to Pat about how he started his real estate career and a whole bunch of tips and tactics that he used to be successful. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out State of the Market number 49. On there, I get to talk to Pat about all those different things. You know, and in there too, he talked a lot about his six steps for seven figures book and training program that he built over the last couple years. And I realized I haven't done a good enough job of reminding all of you lately about all of the resources that we've built for you out there. So if you wanna check out Pat's course, we've got like a three minute summary video when you go to it. It includes so many easy to follow tips that you can follow on it like a day-to-day -day basis. You can email reminders, all sorts of different things that come with that course. 
you find that, you go to rebusuniversity.com, R-E-B-U-S, rebusuniversity.com. Look at courses. You can find the Six Steps for Seven Figures book. And really, there's a whole bunch of other courses in there too. Our normal prices used to be $1,500 or $2,000 a course. These are real deal professional courses. But now uh, during quarantine, a lot of them are priced down to like 90 bucks, 95 bucks. So we've slashed the prices because we know right now is the time for everybody to be focusing on growth and education, especially while they're feeling like they don't have as much to do. And if you go in there and you figure like, like there's a lot of different courses you want, Maybe you don't want to buy the a la carte. You can go to futureofrealestatetraining.com and you can get access to all of our different courses for 97 bucks a month. I think there's a discount on there if you go a year or there's even like a lifetime option that you can pay. You get access to every course we ever put on Rebus University for as long as we have it. So go check out those options, Rebus University or futureofrealestatetraining.com. All right, back to your podcast. Sorry for the interruption. So the so now, you know, in your business today, it might maybe it's a for when you were an agent, maybe it's now. What is the what technology are you using that you're thinking, wow, I, I couldn't live without this? You know, what's what's the either a piece of software or even your phone or what what's what's the most important piece of technology that you're using? Right now, uh, it's probably we we run most of our communication open door capital out of Asana, which I know there are more. Uh, it's not really a CRM, and there's probably more sophisticated software out there. But our current team members are spread all over, so we've got a few of us on Hawaii, got some in Atlanta, we've got a couple, uh, at least one guy in Maine, a couple in New York. So uh, right now, we 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 live and die by by Asana, yeah. just keeping track of everything, uh, especially with the, with the amount of leads we've got coming in, with the amount of stuff that's under contract, the amount of stuff that's in due diligence, and, and all the other stuff that, that kind of shoots off of that. Uh, right now, everything everything is, is, is entered into Asana, every comment, every email, every interaction. So it's all right there, and I can see that no matter where I am, on my laptop, on my phone, anywhere, and just look back to the whole history of a deal or an issue or, or anything. Uh, so yeah, right now, that's, that's the key, key piece. So Asana is like a central hub to be able to keep like a to-do list and things like that, but it also links to your email. So it'll send you email reminders and yes. stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you can set you know, due dates and reminders and, and all that stuff where, you know, for a long time I was just going out of email where you just, you know, mark stuff, whatever, start or leave it unread. And it yeah. just gets to the point where you just you can't, I couldn't keep up with, with, with even that. So Asana is just light years ahead of, of that. It's just a good way to consolidate every, everything. So everybody's on the same page. Everybody knows what's going on and uh, there's no, no miscommunication. What, how long did it take you to transition your organization from Gmail to Asana or from, uh, from mail to Asana, whatever it was? Yeah, it was, it was pretty quick. Uh, it was Mike Williams, our investor relations guy. He kind of drove that and luckily he came into the picture early enough. So it wasn't like we had, you know, 200 employees and all of a sudden it was just monster thing to change over. We, we had, we worked out of email. We tried Trello for a while. We tried a few other things. And he came in and he had quite a bit of experience with Asana. And I think we really went with that just because we were confident that, that he knew it. And again, there may be better solutions out there, but he was really well versed in it. And, and we liked what we saw. So at that time, I mean, we were still only six or eight people uh, for a company. So it's not a, not a massive number of people. The, the, the number of transactions and, and lead, leads that are being generated is, is growing considerably. Uh, but it was it was relatively painless to get everything you know from where it was Gmail and and Google folders and all this other stuff right in right into right into Asana maybe maybe a couple yeah. of weeks and then a little bit of a learning curve you know for me for Brandon for the guys that hadn't used it just kind of clunking around in there trying to figure out what's what but uh, it was it was a pretty smooth smooth transition yeah one of the things you said there I think people should listen to is kind of that idea whatever CRM you're going to use or technology you're going to use you need to make sure that the person that's going to kind of 
run it, be in charge, you know, hold everybody accountable. It has to be with something that they love. Yes. Right. So if yes. it's going to help it, we've used different systems before too. I use a lot of the, you know, I, I market my, my emails unread and, and I don't market as read until I've seen it. I've got three or four different email accounts, depending on which yep. company or business I'm running. Uh, plus we've tried, you know, some different Jira for our software people and things like that, which is a lot like Asana, but finding yep. a hub that works. But if you have a big team, making sure that who's ever, you know, in charge of getting everybody on board helps. So you've got teams so now, as we fast forward to going from an agent to then, uh, you know, you went from an investor to an agent to investor yeah. to now, what is your, what's your current, what's your current title, your current role? Uh, my title uh, today is VP of acquisitions. So that's subject to change on any given day, but right now yeah. VP of acquisitions. So uh, when we had started, uh, Brandon started Open Door Capital on a year, a little over a year ago, it was really just, just me and him. Uh, mm -hmm. working to try and find mobile homes. And it was, it was uh, stressful for a couple of reasons. We didn't know exactly what we were doing. <laughs> we yeah. didn't know exactly what we wanted. We didn't know quite what we were going to target. Uh, we cast a really wide net in terms of what we were going to focus on for uh, mobile home park criteria. So as far as lot size and utility configuration and markets and all this stuff. So we, we quickly found that we were just kind of running ourselves ragged, just on a wild goose chase of, 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 underwriting deals that we that didn't really work out for us that we never really had any business looking at to begin with uh so it was it was quickly evident that we that we needed help we, we were doing well all things considered but just the two of us we, we needed to bring on people so uh we ended up uh creating sort of a, an intern program where we had a, a team actually two teams i think it was 25 to 30 people that were helping us both on the acquisitions front so we had people that were cold calling that were looking for deals and then uh, another team of dedicated underwriters. So we had, uh, I think it was 10 or 15 people underwriting for us. So that proved to have its own challenges just with having that many people to train and corral and make sure everybody was on the same page and make sure everybody's getting enough uh, at bats for the tasks that they were at so they, they could improve and get good at it. So we uh, learned that we needed to scale that back. So we went from 30 underwriters down to uh, just a handful. We had three or four uh, of those. And then two of those guys ended up becoming like full-time employees for open door capital. So it was a pretty fascinating way to build out our team where we had a chance to kind of work with, with, uh, pretty much everybody on the team we worked with in a, in a free capacity or sort of a commission based capacity. We, we, we had a program where if they found a deal or they, uh, they were, they were unpaid positions. There was no hourly or salary, but they were excited to work with us. They were excited to work with Brandon and, and, and you know, learn about mobile home parks and learn about underwriting, learn about deal finding. Uh, but we uh, promoted that if, if we ended up purchasing a deal that either they had found or they were part of the underwriting team on, they would, they would get some compensation for that almost on a commission base. Uh, so we, we had an opportunity to, to work with all these people and, and some of them kind of, faded away quickly and, and there were a couple that really rose above the rest of the group which which tends to happen with any group and you know after working at that capacity with a couple of these guys for a few months we said we felt confident enough to hire them in a, in a full salary like they're able to quit their day jobs come to work for us uh full salary package which is which is really beneficial i think to, to everybody involved uh it gave brandon and i a chance to kind of you know, date before you get married, you know, test drive the car before you buy it and see that you like working with these people. And it gave the, the people that we hired the chance to see if they really liked the work and they liked the culture. And, you know, because it was a big leap for a couple of them to quit. Yeah. Reasonably. Make big changes. Jobs. Yeah. yeah I remember make, make significant changes. So 
Uh, I remember doing an internship, you know, in, in college and that was, I learned so much in those internships, yeah. right? Getting to go yeah. work for companies and see, and those three month trials are such a fun yeah. way uh, for people to get to learn. And so yeah. there isn't as many internships now. And I guess there hadn't been because, you know, the economy was so booming. Everybody had a job. Unemployment was so low. Yeah. Now as people yeah. are shifting, I bet there'll be more opportunities for kind of internships and building the team. So when you first moved out to Maui, did you know that, I, I think I kind of remember the story that when we were hanging out there that you kind of went out there to go like help Brandon remodel something and then you never <laughs> left, right? You weren't really planning to move when no, you got out there, No, right? no, I definitely wasn't. Uh, I was in Maine. I was doing some mobile home park consulting and some other stuff. And I've got my own small portfolio of, of rentals there still. And uh, he just sent me a text one afternoon. He says, hey, I just bought this house in Maui. Can you come out for a week? just to help me get settled and like he had to get a shipping container from the port to his house and he's got a little rental unit out back that he needed renovated and to find a tenant so i'm like yeah sure i'll, I'll go to maui for a week i'd never never been to hawaii at all really didn't know anything about it uh jumped on a plane came out here and within five seconds just absolutely fell in love with the place so uh over the course of the week uh we had determined that there was way there was way too much stuff for me to do in one week so i stayed for a week went home for like three days and then came back here for a month uh, and then over the course of that month, kind of uh, hatched the plan with Brandon to uh, uh, really be his executive assistant. And it's funny because it, it, it kind of there's some similarities there from when I first got my real estate license, like just kind of filling this admin assistant role, even though that's not really what I wanted to do. It was a great stepping stone to, to get out to Maui and, and work on some bigger things. Uh, so, so I stayed for a month and then went home just long enough to like grab the wife and dog, sell my house, sell all my stuff. And then bought a one-way ticket back here, back here to Maui. So, uh, so yeah. So I, I, I took a role as you know, again his his kind of executive assistant. I was helping him uh, a lot of the the camera and production stuff on on his videos and his webinars. Uh, I do still work for Bigger Pockets on a on a part-time basis. And then meanwhile, we we're building Open Door Capital and, and targeting the mobile home park. So uh, I'm no longer the executive assistant. I no longer. Uh, rake leaves in the yard. I do still clean the pool on occasion, but you cut down, you cut bananas out of the tree. Now <laughs> cut bananas, I've, yeah. I've seen, I've seen you get bananas out of the trees there. Yeah. Yeah. I did that a couple of days ago. So that, 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 that's fun stuff. But, um, yeah, so it was just, it was really funny the way it came together. Brandon just had a need for some help and I had a need to, or a strong desire to get out of where I was, which was snowy, cold Maine. And, uh, we absolutely loved Maui. So it was, it was a good fit. We both kind of knew it was a temporary arrangement as far as job description. But, uh, in, in doing that, I knew I had to take a step back financially from some, some of the stuff that I was doing in Maine, but it was, I, I could see the bigger picture and knew that, uh, uh in addition to just living in, in a beautiful environment, that the, the long-term potential for, uh, job satisfaction and, and income potential and just to further my investing career. Uh, it was just a no brainer to, to, to take that step back financially, come out here and, and make a go at what we're doing today. Yeah. I mean that for all of you listeners out there too, as right now there's this crazy opportunity to kind of reinvent yourselves, do a pivot. Maybe it's join a different team. Maybe it's get higher up on your team. Um, you know, maybe it's doing stuff, you know, alongside your, you know, as being an agent or a broker, but taking, you know, Ryan's story and, and what I'm hearing a lot of is, you know, he, he found somebody that he knew he wanted to be a part of the team and he didn't quite know what he wanted to do. And it maybe wasn't going to be what he wanted, but Hey, let's just get on the team first. Let's get on the team first. Show them that, show them that I'm great. Show them that I'm a hustler, that I'm willing to work hard to do anything because just getting your foot in the door and getting to, to, to prove to somebody, then you're going to get that opportunity later and just being, being willing to, to work hard for that. So 
now, so open door capital and it's, and it's, there's an open door that actually buys houses on a, it's not this, that open door, it's different open door capital. And the, do you guys, do you guys also flip houses or buy individual houses too? Or is everything just trailer parks now? Yeah. Brandon is doing some flips here on the Island. I don't have a lot to do with it, uh, but he's done three or four flips in the past year, uh, pretty successfully either condos or single family homes here in Maui. So that we, we want to do some more of that. Uh, again, it remains to be seen what the, what the economic climate is going to be. I, I expect there to be some good buying opportunities and, you know, I mean, you can flip in, in any economy really, as long as you buy it. Right. So uh, we're not sure what's going to happen over the next few months with that. We expect it to change, uh, yeah. but uh, how it changes uh, for better or worse, we'll see. But that's been uh, uh, obviously there's some great income that's generated from that, but that's almost been more of like a, just a fun hobby for him to, to, to buy some stuff. And he's partnered with a local guy here on Island that has a really good network of contractors and lenders and, you know, just really established here in Maui. So uh, between the two of them, they've, they've, they've done some pretty cool things. Yeah. I've seen some of those deals, you know, real estate in, uh, in Maui is fun, right? You got these different sort of properties and, and that is definitely going to change. But the, and I guess, you know, it's funny because flipping houses in Maui, is 100% different than your guys' main business of investing in trailer parks. And so a lot of people be like, trailer parks? What do you mean trailer parks? You know, the, so we prefer, why? We prefer mobile home communities. Yeah, but, okay. mobile home community. <laughs> the, that's like, you can call them a tenant or you can call them a resident. The, yeah. and, but there is a thinking in that. So mobile home communities. So why mobile home communities? Why, why is that what you guys are focusing on? And what, and what are you guys doing? So, the, so, so do the, 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 you know, the elevator pitch for what is Open Door Capital. Sure. So Open Door Capital, we, we decided to, to focus uh, exclusive, exclusively on mobile home communities. We, we, we love the niche. We love the asset class. But what it really comes down to is we had to pick something and, and go with it. Uh, there are a million different things that, that we could be involved with. Uh, but shiny object syndrome is a problem for Brandon. It's a problem for me. Uh, so to just kind of stay in our lane and pick something, we had to go with that. And, and Brandon says it, Brandon says the best that mobile home parks may not be the best investment, but it's one that he decided to pick and, and run with. And we're trying to do the absolute best we can with it. Uh, we love it. Uh, we, we think it stands out from other uh, asset classes in a sense that, uh, you know, our model is really, it's different from apartments in a sense that we are targeting mobile home parks that are, you know, typically if everything's perfect, 60 to 70% occupied, which means you've got 30% vacant lots. And, and our value add strategy is, is to infill those, those vacant lots. So uh, unlike, unlike an apartment complex where let's say you've got, you know, maybe rents that are well below market or you think you can go in and spend whatever five to ten twenty grand a unit renovate these things and, and crank the rents up three or four hundred dollars a month uh, mobile home parks can be operated as they are uh, with just infilling the vacant lots and you can add massive value from 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 just doing that so uh, e even in parks that we've purchased or that we're underwriting that maybe rents are well below market that's not our strategy I and mean, you go in and, you know, if lot rents at 200 bucks a month and market says it could be 400, there's no better way to end up on the evening news and just going in and doubling the rent on a mobile home park. So we'll model that we'll, we'll raise them very gradually and it may take five or 10 years to get them to where they need to be. But the, the, the big, the big value of that is through uh, filling vacant lots. So we'll, we'll identify a park. Once we buy it, we go in and the, the, the best way to, to have a lot filled is to have a tenant bring in their own home and set it up and start paying lot rent. Uh, unfortunately, that's not like, real common these days. So if you've got a lot of vacancy, mm -hmm. you just wouldn't live long enough for the park to naturally fill itself. 
But what we'll do is we'll go out and buy homes, either new homes or used homes, bring them in, set them up on the lot, get them so that they're turnkey, and then we'll sell those off to to tenants so that they'll buy the home and then they're just paying us lot rent. So uh, let's say we have fifteen or $20,000 into bringing a home and getting it set up. Even if we break even on the sale, or sometimes we're even willing to lose a few thousand dollars on the sale of that home by activating lot rent on a, on a lot that was otherwise not generating any revenue, we've just increased the value of the park. So we've increased the monthly cash flow and the NOI and as a result, the, the overall value. So that's a total interesting strategy. So the, so, so it's not that you don't, you're not trying to own the homes, right? right. And so I think right. a lot of people have this hybrid where they're like, no, we own a park and we own some of the homes and other of the homes we don't. And the, yeah. and, but when you own the home, you have the maintenance and you guys are saying, no, yeah. you'll bring in the home. You'll kind of flip the home to them, but really not for a profit. Like, you know how to flip houses. So you'll bring yep. in a house, you'll flip yep. it to them. But you're only doing it so they actually pay the lot rent on it. And the, yeah, that's, that's all that sounds like a very unique plan. Yeah, that's all we're really concerned with is the lot rent. And that's fairly standard with the bigger operators. I know uh, it varies by, by region. And especially if you've got some kind of mom and pop local operators. Uh, I know in Maine, for example, like having park-owned rentals where they're you know, renting the homes, that can be pretty lucrative. But uh, to, to do it at scale and to do it remotely like we are, Really, we're, we're, we're pushing all for, for, for lot rent. So we don't want to own any of the homes, uh, which means that we're not dealing with any of the repairs and maintenance of the actual home. Uh, so there's, there's some cost savings there. And it's easier to budget. Like when you, when you just own the land, I mean, you can forecast your, your budget for the next five years because you, all, you're, all you're concerned with is, is just you know, the roads, mowing the common area, the infrastructure. You know, we're still on the hook for the, for the, sewer, for the water and sewer lines. But any of the, any of the home sales, anything to do with those, the, the, the tenants are, are responsible for that. We found that when that's the case, there's just a, it's, it's a different, it's a different tenant than you see in an apartment. They have pride of ownership because they own the home. I mean, they, they, they've got you know money, they've got time, they've got emotion, they've got memories there. Like it's their home. So uh, the, the, you tend to see uh, much, much greater pride of ownership in, in, in mobile home tenants than you do, uh, apartment tenants. And, and in our communities, we do try to improve the community. So we don't just go in and, you know, just like, we're, I don't want to make it sound like we're not involved because we're, we're in, we're beautifying the common areas. We're improving, you know, if there's playgrounds or pools or like, we want the place to be a nice community. We want people to be happy living there. We want people to tell the, their friends that they're happy living there so that they'll there. like we, we, we strive to make make the place better uh, but the but the ultimate goal is even in that better community we want to be out of the park on home business we just want to own the lots and rent those lots yeah that 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 seems pretty brilliant it's like you're creating homeowners at the at the lowest level of expense but then by creating that homeowner then you're getting that utility of uh, you know of now they're a monthly resident and now they're yep. they're now they're paying to be a resident and yep. it's it's kind of like a you know, I think a seller financing is the same concept. It's closest related to it, uh, sure. except for again, you're not trying to get that that mobile that uh, mobile home back. So the so now so open door, you guys are buying houses all over the place. Now, one of the yeah. most fun things that I've seen, and the, the thing that I wanted to kind of ask you on the show to come talk about, I thought was so fun is we, you guys have been pushing it on social media. So it's been br bring brand in a deal.com. I think that's the thing. And, and so <laughs> you guys have said, Hey, yeah. find yeah. us a deal, find us an off market mobile home. Yeah. Uh, mobile home community. Yeah. And if we buy it, we'll pay you guys a giant commission. So it's kind of that same deal. So the, you guys have such a reach on social media. You said, Hey, yeah. we've got this already. Let's, let's kind of stretch this out. So tell me about that. And I think you've had a couple, like you have people that are right there, right? Yeah, no, that's been, uh, we, we rolled that out, I don't know, two months ago and have been promoting it pretty heavily. And it's, we've, we've had a tremendous response from that. So it's bringbrandinadeal.com. 
And what we're promoting is that if, if anyone brings us a, an off-market, it's got to be off-market mobile home park, uh, and gives us a warm introduction to the seller, and that could just be an email to the seller. Like they have, they have some sort of direct relationship with the seller. They give us a warm introduction, and we'll take it from there. They're not brokering the deal. They're not involved with it. Uh, they can be included in some of the transactions if they're curious, but we, we take the wheel and drive. Uh, if we close on that park, we'll write that person a check for, for $50,000. So uh, it's, it's really been a, a great incentive. And what we're looking for is we have, and we put a tremendous effort into uh, broker relationships. I'm on the phone with brokers all the time. Uh, we've got great wholesaler relationships, guys that are just professional wholesalers. But here we were targeting neither of those two groups. We were hoping to catch, uh, you know, somebody that listens to the Bigger Pockets podcast or one of Brandon's followers or just any word of mouth person that isn't, isn't a professional, uh, isn't a real estate professional, but maybe they heard at the, at the, you know, last Thanksgiving that their uncle has a park uh, that they're looking to sell. And we just want that introduction. So we've been able to really tap into these people who, who, who are not like set on, on, on real estate as, as their uh, primary source of income, but they know a park that's for sale, they know we're looking. And because of that, a lot of times, very small amount of work and just the introduction, they're going to get a check for 50,000. So that's we cool. haven't actually uh, paid anybody out yet, but we have, I think two parks under contract right now that came as a result of, of those. And remember, we just, we just rolled that out a couple months ago. So we're in due diligence. I can't wait on, to see somebody. Oh, we're psyched, man. Yeah, I can't wait to the day that, you know, I want to send Brandon out with a giant four-foot check, you know, one of those, yeah. like, publishers clearinghouse-style checks to give us, which, which won't happen, but I thought it'd be great. Yeah, I mean, we 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 will be the happiest that, like, we'll be as happy as they are to, to, to write them a check. It, it's going to happen. It, it's you'll have happen. to you'll have to send Brandon out there with the publisher's clearinghouse <laughs> check. The, um, so, it's a reminder, again, of the criteria. So, somebody says, hey, here's the park. So, the, how big yeah. is it? What are you looking for? Yeah, like, so, our, our criteria right now is we're looking for a minimum of 100 lots. We want public water, public sewer. Those are the, the really strict criteria. And then from there, they get a little squishy. But ideally, it's uh, 100,000. We want a stable population, say, of 100,000 or more within 10 miles. And ideally, it would be minimal park-owned homes, although usually parks come with a fair amount of park-owned homes. We have to work through that. And, and, and that's, that's really – oh, and no RVs. We don't want an RV park. So uh, a lot of people think the RV parks are the same as mobile home parks. It's a completely separate business. Yeah. So, no, no, especially water, especially your business sewer. plan. Yeah. You, you want people yeah. to stay there forever, so you need to find the, yep. the version yep. unless it can be transferred. So the, as we're finishing up here, right now you, you've seen a lot of different stuff. As an agent, as an investor, you know, you've yep. been, been a part of you know, rises and falls in real estate. What do you think the the biggest opportunities for real estate agents are going to be over the next over the next year over the next six months? What are things people should be thinking about in this up and down? And I know this is time to grab your crystal ball and just go, yeah, hey, man. of all yeah. the stuff you've been thinking about, what do you think people should be keeping their eye on? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate speculating, and it seems like everybody that has an opinion on the future is you just you're just guessing. Um, but yeah. what I what I have always found amazing is there, and and maybe the the, the the listeners of your show are a little different, but how many agents are out there that are not real estate investors? Like they just run around, they're showing other people good deals, but they just, for whatever reason, think that they can't do it. They don't want to do it. You know, and I've seen just, just great deal after great deal getting brokered by, by an agent that, that, that owns no real estate. It's like, why didn't you just grab that for yourself? So I wish more agents would, would take the opportunity, take the initiative and, and start investing in their own deals. I mean, even if you don't want to manage your own property, 
if you're out shaking the trees hard enough as an agent looking for other buyers, you're, you're going to find deals that work as, you know, full third-party management. Like, you can be totally hands-off and buy stuff and, and increase your own portfolio. And I think over the next, whatever, year, two years, three years, there's bound to be some good opportunities popping up there for, 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 for you know, all the reasons that the, that the economy is going to be taking a hit that I think there's going to be some great buying opportunities, even for either for flips or, or long-term buy and hold. So I wish people, I wish agents uh, in general, and I know I'm generalizing, but would just kind of open their field of vision and, 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 and grab some of these opportunities for themselves. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So Ryan, tell people how to get a hold of you. How can they, how can they go find you on Instagram? How can they find you at open door? Uh, Instagram? I'm at ryan.murdoch21. Uh, and you can find our website, which is odcfund.com. And you can shoot me an email at ryan, R-Y-A-N, at odcfund.com. Man, this is awesome. The, I can't wait till we get to come hang out again and, and get to go see some of those new dive spots that you're an expert Take diving, at. man. The, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm even wanting to go look for some mobile home communities right now just to try to see if I can be the first one to get that giant publisher. I got 50 grand straight. waiting for you right here. I know. I'll, I'll, come, I'll come get it in person. All right, man. Hang, you know, keep hanging on out there. Hopefully, uh, enjoy Maui quiet while, while it can be because as soon as they open it up, I'll be out there. The, and, uh, and great to chat with you again. All right, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful please I need you to pull out your pointing finger yes the one finger that points at people and hit subscribe yes subscribe the more subscribers we get the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.